Hello, everyone. What follows is my conversation with the renowned YouTuber Jason Stevenson, to whose soothing, soporific voice and calming demeanor, by this point in time, I think millions of you all across the globe have fallen asleep. To my gratitude for having been able to get in contact with Jason and host him on my humble little show, I simply can give no words. It was an extraordinary opportunity for me, and I can't but remark on the peculiar times in which we live when uh, an indistinguished small little content creator such as myself can reach out to someone who's had such success on this platform and reached so many millions of people and talk with him for an hour or two about his his life, his history, his philosophy, and the future projects to which he plans to devote his time. So for so many things I'm, I'm grateful, most of all to Jason and to you, the viewer who is stopping by to experience a great conversation. And I hope that's precisely what we are able to provide. So without further ado, I give you my conversation with Jason Stevenson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Finneran's Wake and Numa, the two channels of mine on which I'll post this talk. I'm so grateful that you've stopped by to listen, and I can assure you a great conversation awaits. I'm joined by the renowned Jason Stevenson, the creator of the extraordinarily popular YouTube channel, Jason Stevenson Sleep Meditation Music, to which, no doubt, over the course of the past decade or so, many of you have fallen asleep, practiced yoga, driven your cars on your commutes in the morning, set the tone of your day, or perhaps even calibrated your entire life. Uh, Twelve years ago, Jason began what must have been, at the time, a modest little YouTube channel, not unlike the one on which he's kindly agreed to appear, uh, to which, at present, nearly three million people across the globe subscribe. Last I checked, his large and growing array of videos covering topics like mindfulness, meditation, affirmation, music, and sleep has accumulated over 700 million views, a number unsurpassed so far as I can tell by anyone producing content in this genre. Needless to say, the impact Jason has had on his audience is immeasurable. A brief glance at the comments with which his videos are littered attests to the fantastic work that he's doing and to the benefit that so many have derived from his efforts. Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Daniel. Daniel, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. And I must say, you just said, when you said 700 million views, I was like, Oh my goodness. Whoa. <laughs> and you have wow. to up 
update your personal website with that number. Last I checked, which was just a day or two ago, <laughs> you still had it at about, I don't know, 650 million. So I don't know when you last when you last visited that site, but you've grown immensely. And that's uh, that growth is something certainly about which I'd like to talk. It's, it's a staggering number. Uh, and you probably can expect in the forthcoming months, perhaps a year, to, to reach that uh, vaunted 1 billion <laughs> view mark. Uh, so... Congratulations thus far on your success. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. And it's not just my success too. It's now my team's success and it's everyone's success. You know, sure. I'm very grateful for the position that I'm in. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and we're all grateful to you for having, uh, for you and your team having produced such valuable content. So thank you. We'll, we'll focus for a little while on the, the present success, but first, I want to talk a little bit about the channel's genesis. Take us back a few years, quite a few years. Um, I want to know yeah. a little bit about, behind, uh, about the motivation behind this channel's creation. Um, now, mm -hmm. I mentioned your personal website, and it mentions, with laudable candor, some of the difficulties with which you struggled as a, as a young man. And I can imagine those difficulties maybe inspired you to to pursue this sort of a project. So, so tell us, uh, why did you create this channel and why focus on sleep and wellness? Mm. Okay, well, first of all, uh, you mentioned the difficulties that I had experienced and that was sort of in my, I was, had a career in music, I was doing singing and acting and it kind of hit some rocky, rocky roads in my late 20s and things i went off the rails with that my way of dealing with that was alcohol and and, and drugs uh just to to wipe myself out as much as i could because of the the hurt and the anger i felt of not um you know not achieving what i wanted at that time and it was more of my what I wanted. I'll say that in terms of my ego self belief that I deserved everything, you know. And anyway, so I went off track. And um, really, it wasn't until in my, uh, it was about, yeah, it was 2005. And I was diagnosed with um, HIV in due to my recklessness. And that was a pivotal moment in my life of, um, I could either go one way or the other. I could keep going the way I was going and be absolutely reckless and, and take other people down with me and keep going with the drugs and just obliterate myself or I could completely change. Well, there was no real question for me. I, I, I did value life so much. I've always valued life and I knew that things had to stop and I had to change and I, and I did. And, um, I remember walking down the beach one day and I started to listen to affirmations myself. In fact, it was the movie, The Secret, that began to, you know, plant a few seeds inside of me. And I remember walking on the beach one day after about a year of the, after a year of the diagnosis and went through, you know, a lot of dark times during that time and depression and anxiety, lots of anxiety. And I reached this point when I was down the beach and I looked out and saw the ocean and the, the beautiful 
sunrise as it was happening with my dog i was there and this intense joy just washed over me for the first time in such a long time and i realized that then and then i said to myself my goodness you know i'm living i'm the words come to me here in vitality and here in vitality ironically is stands for h hiv and i just said there's no need to be afraid anymore you know i'm look at this look at look what's in front of me i'm living here in vitality i mean it's just it's amazing it's beautiful and that was a real transition for me and a real um although i dabbled in meditation prior uh something really changed and i started to attend uh buddhist monastic retreats you know, there was a we've got back in new south wales we had the largest buddhist temple in the southern hemisphere which was only a few kilometers from me so i began to attend there began to attend retreats and the monastic treat was what really really awakened me and i realized the power of mindfulness so why i started the youtube journey was because i really wanted children first and foremost to believe in themselves and to honor themselves and to love themselves no matter who they are this was so important for me because i certainly didn't and although i had the greatest my most parents the most beautiful people there was just something inside me that couldn't accept who i was and that i was a bit different and um i wanted children to know and to realize that no matter who they are what they do that they're beautiful and so my first youtube uh, video was and my, my first cd actually was based on affirmations for children in word and song so i got to sing some affirmations to them and uh, and there was a short guided meditation journey at the end of that and that for me i remember having that up on youtube i'm not even sure if it's there anymore i it was quite a long time back and and i remember someone saying to me they're wonderful you know my children they've got your cd and do you do anything for adults and at that time i thought oh my goodness no i don't do anything for adults i don't know if i could and i, I said no i i haven't but maybe i'll try and that's how it all began i um i started a guided meditation for adults i just tried it and that was after a few attempts um one of them one of them took off and that that was the start of it i think that was back in about 2000 and it all started about 2011 but really picked up in about 2013. yeah yeah and it's it's an incredible story uh i suppose the barrier to entry is always a little bit smaller the obstacles less insuperable when you're dealing with children <laughs> they're, they're done yeah. and be a little less daunting uh, you yes. can usually um you can usually gain their trust a little bit more easily with such things as this. You know, they're more easily entertained. It's when you go to the adults that you face a, a more ominous picture, more daunting picture. So you certainly made the transition um, successfully. Uh, so there's, yes. there's one, uh, well, there are a few parts of your biographical sketch uh, on which I'd like to expand. Uh, one is that feeling of intense joy that you experienced on the beach. In the best way that you can, tell us, to what do you attribute this revelatory, almost 
Damascene feeling. It, it reminds me of Paul on the road to Damascus being struck by um, some higher spirit and, and undergoing this profound transformation, this awakening, because obviously you were in a very dark place, a dark time of your life. Mm. So was it simply a connection with nature uh, to which you had never really tuned in or or do you attribute it to something perhaps more religious? Tell us. Mm. Yeah, good question. And let me tell you that many, many years ago in my, well, what first it's happened twice in my life. When I was a child of about nine years of age, uh, we went on a trip around Australia, blessed to go around Australia with my parents. And I was out in the country and I was on my own sitting by a gorge called Geeky Gorge in Western Australia. And I would often go off on my own. I loved my own company. I loved the connection of nature. And I've loved that for a, such a long, long time. And I was sitting out there beside this gorge. And I can remember as a child just sitting there uh, and, and feeling like in that moment, those moments, that I had everything that I could ever want in my life. I didn't need at that point friends, family. I didn't need anyone or anything. Everything was there rolled into one in the simple act of just being. And I think, and then I experienced that once again in my tw early 20s, and then there was a void from, you know, not a void as such, but I never experienced that again until that time uh, when I was walking on the beach again. And there's just this, this waves of peace and happiness. Um, it was, it, it, in some ways, it's some, sort of an, it's some sort of an awakening to the beauty and to the love that we have within and without that is already contained within us. Uh, but but it's just taken this, um, you know, going through this, maybe this dark time to again, to realize then and to awaken to what is in front of me now. Or to reawaken so, in, in your case. To reawaken, sorry, absolutely. To reawaken. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. yeah and that, that idea of reawakening is, uh, has some resonance, I think, in literature and uh, in, in poetic literature, especially. It's something about which... Wordsworth, William Wordsworth talks, uh, of course, in a more religious way, but he talks about this, this being born is, is both the falling in asleep and a reawakening to the world. And it sounds as though you very uniquely experienced that. Now, I want to ask you, do you, on, on the matter of it being, of its being unique, do you think that you are maybe, maybe specially predetermined or pre- preconditioned to experience something like that because not many people i think can reflect upon a moment as profound and as transcendental as as your experience and they'll say oh well jason is just this sort of supernatural being who's able to more easily connect with nature and to to find this transcendental bliss that's not something that I could do. You know, I'm, I'm working in the city. I'm, I have a, a nine to five job. I'm working 40 hours a week, etc. cetera. Uh, so do you think that you are unique in your having this experience? Mm. Uh, I have spoken to other people that have had similar experiences. So I know that it does happen. Uh, 
you know, if we look at it, uh, I'm not a strong believer in reincarnation, but if we can just take that as a possibility for now, just for now, and possibly maybe there are parts of me that are just a, are, are awake more so than what other people have. They might have other parts that are awake in themselves too that I'm not awake to. Maybe there's just certain parts um, because, yeah, even from a child, even from very, very young, I, when I was on my own, I, I always found this, um, I found a contentment and, and a love. Um, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm reluctant to say I'm, it's unique to me because I know that I have spoken to other people and, um, yeah, and maybe it happens. Maybe it can also happen at times when we most, uh, when we're going through difficult times in life, and, and maybe we, when we need it, when we're just lost in the darkness, and and that that might trigger it. Mm -hmm. um, because I will tell you, the the time when I was in my twenty twenties, and it happened. Now, here's a little story if I can just share this with you. Please do. I was on my I was on my way to Sydney uh, for trans. Uh, going from commuting from Wollongong to Sydney on a train. I was doing this for a few years and I was starting to get restless. It's become this humdrum of life. And I just thought, my goodness, how much more am I going to do of this? And there was really something else I wanted to do and it was acting and singing work and that sort of thing. But I got off at the train midway at this Royal National Park on the way to Sydney and I had not planned this. In fact, when I grabbed my backpack, the train stopped and my friend said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm getting off here. And they said, what are you getting off here for? And I said, I don't know. I'm getting off. See you later. And that's the time I clambered up this mountain and, and got on the edge of the Royal National Park and sat there overlooking a cliff and then the, uh, the ocean and the, the forest down below me. And that was yet another time when I experienced those waves of peace uh, and that containment of everything that I ever could want was there in that moment. And that was, in fact, that was probably the strongest moment I've ever had. That was in my tw early 20s. And in that instant after that happened, I remember wanting to get home quick to tell my mum and dad what had happened. And I knew that the job was over i was either going to work part-time or not at all because i wanted to pursue my interests and i went to the boss the next day and i said you know i would like to work part-time and he said well we can't have that because everyone will want to work part-time i said well i must leave i never i have to follow my dreams and so he he wished me well and that was the beginning of a new chapter so it was just that that another <laughs> reawakening again at a time when I needed it most. Yeah, these reawakenings uh, with which your life thus far has been rife. It, it, must be, it must be difficult for you in some ways to try to recapture these extraordinary feelings, these feelings of transcendence and of joy and of um, complete felicity, uh, much less to, to instruct others on how also to, to experience them. Is there some disappointment or some letdown in your daily practice that you're not always able to achieve this 
the status? There's some great points there, Daniel, and you're, you're probably the first person that's really touched on this. Uh, there, there are many times where I've, I've wanted to, to reach those points again, consciously and, and intentionally. And I know that I got close to that through, you know, taking ayahuasca. I went on an ayahuasca journey and uh, that similar feeling come back again, which was absolutely mind-blowing. And, and just very recently, breath work, holotropic breathing has done the same thing yet again. So I've discovered something that really intentionally sets about and gives me that. But what I've realized is that it's also silly to try and chase that awake, reawakening, that feeling again. And we, you know, it's, it's up to me just to get on with, with doing the best I can, living life and, and, and giving the most that I can while I'm here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's important for me. Yeah, almost paradoxically, uh, to borrow one of the tenets of Buddhism, uh, one is supposed to let go of, of, of thirst, of desire, right? Of, of seeking these things uh, for whose seeking there is no end, or to whose seeking there is no end. In a, in a strange way, seeking this intense bliss and this intense and perfect joy is sort of a desire like it's the ultimate stage toward which you're aspiring but to to want it too strenuously or to to go after it too um avariciously kind of brings you back down it's like shoots and ladders it brings you back down the the shoot <laughs> to, to the very beginning exactly exactly right exactly right when we're too much focused on that that outcome then we're not here, right? We're not that. We're not right in the present moment, and and it's all. It's it's even almost. Uh, it's well. It's e it's kind of ego based. You know, there's a part of us, you know, wanting to feel that intense experience, um, and I. Yeah, I I think that's kind of a bit of the ego there. Um, yeah, the bo bodily desires if you like um because the real work right lies in in the giving and the work that sometimes oftentimes we don't like that we're not so we're not getting those joyous feelings but but it's work uh, all the same and it's important work uh, so yeah yeah and and i think to some extent i i empathize with with you and with those experiences, I too find, um, at least through my life, I have found instances of that extreme um, connection with nature uh, and perhaps transcendence as well. And it's always when I'm in these um, these states of solitude uh, in nature, immersed in nature. I mean, truly immersed in nature, be it on on the beach or uh, deep in the woods. Um, I always uh, think of, of Henry David Thoreau when this happens, uh, uh, the great uh, transcendental uh, writer uh, who lived in the, the, the early 19th century in America, with whom you may or may not be familiar, but yeah. yes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I sort of think that there is a, uh, I think there's a minority of people existing on earth and throughout history who have sort of 
had a more who have been more predisposed to these to these feelings of connection and it it's something that more easily comes to them or comes through them i don't know how you would describe it maybe it acts through them more than it does so through others but i also don't think that it's impossible for others to experience this as well like you said you've met a few people in your life and i'm sure having uh, three million subscribers <laughs> on your YouTube channel. You probably interacted with with quite a quite a large number of them, mm, mm. Uh, and and maybe you've only encountered people who have had these experiences on few occasions, as is sort of the case with me. Um, so I, I think it takes um, sort of a deep, a deeply introspective individual uh, and. Uh, um, a very thoughtful person and one who's inclined to love nature to, mm. to bring all these factors together and to have these types of experiences. Now, I think it's fascinating that you've in some ways replicated or recreated in certain ways. These feelings were perhaps uh, shadows of these feelings with your use of ayahuasca and uh, of, of your breath work. Now, now, let me just ask, do you have any videos currently uh, demonstrating this breathwork, this holotropic breathwork of which you made mention? No, I'm currently actually uh, doing some breathwork teacher training right at this very moment. I'm, I'm halfway through the course and uh, we're just producing a new course actually uh, that's being launched on the 1st of March, which has touches of this uh, new breathwork activation meditation so it's just touches of it but i do plan to bring this out more and more uh, because you see when i've been doing meditation i've just been focusing on the you know the parasympathetic nervous system the relaxation response and even singing and acting you know we're taught diaphragmatical breathing uh, but but i never knew this other side of breath work i never i'd heard about it so often but had never tried it for those of us unacquainted with it, can you briefly describe it for us? Well, I know that it, it well, breathwork's been around for centuries, uh, you know, it's some yoga practices. Um, now, this name, it's going to escape me. It, it has escaped me. What is it? Uh, the, the nostril breathing? Um, oh, yes. I don't know it's yogic, yeah. proper yogic term, but alternate nostril breathing. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And, and so I... I dabbled in that, but uh, I think back in the 60s, uh, there was a, a psychotherapist, Stanislav Graf, I think his name is, and he discovered this holotropic breath work, which was what he found is that when people breathed deep and uh, a circular breathing, and it was faster than normal, mostly faster than normal and deeper than normal, after two to three hours, they enter into this almost like a trance state, a, a theta state of mind, where it unlocks the subconscious mind. And, and the breathwork teacher that I'm working with at the moment, what he does is he takes you on these journeys, but when you've reached that level of uh, complete uh, uh, bliss and almost trance-like state, he then puts in these powerful affirmations into your mind so it's really just seeping into your subconscious directly um and so i've discovered this and, and just recently and i'm absolutely in awe of it and and i'm so excited to begin to share this as a part of my journey and to help others 
Oh, and we're all uh, very eager to to embrace it and to and to watch what you have to offer. Uh, I know only a little bit about it. Now, I I dabble in a few different types of breathwork, but but not in a formal way. Not I have never been under the supervision of a proper instructor the way you have been. Um, but I think we fail to realize just how remarkably powerful our bodies are. Uh, you just by breathing or changing the pace or the depth or the frequency. Mm-hmm at which you're breathing, changes the blood chemistry. Now, you probably don't think of these things biochemically or materialistically the way <laughs> the way some people do and some people measure it. I think mm-hmm. the, the spiritual component is what is most fascinating about these types of breathing. But so much of your, your physiology and your chemistry is changing when you're doing these things. And really, what are you doing? Well, you're sitting there, right, uh, with your eyes closed, and you're simply opening to and closing two orifices of your body, your nose, <laughs> which are connected yes. in your mouth. So it's something that anyone, really, most anyone can do uh, and experience these profound alterations. And like you said, consciousness, um, their, their level of sensitivity with what's happening around them. Um, and of course, uh, the blood chemistry as well. <laughs> uh, you Absolutely. Know, yeah. yeah. And, and dealing with the... Dealing with trauma, that's mm. what they found. That it's a it's a good, very very good way to tap deeply and quickly into healing past trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm very uh, eager, like I said, to see some of your videos. Now, do you have to be a, a certified breath specialist in this category to be able to then, oh, I don't know, produce content related to it or or to instruct others on it? Uh, I think it, it, it's very wise. I don't think you have to be like there's no you know rules, but obviously you've got to take this seriously, very seriously, in fact, because there are some contraindications in, in within this work. Uh, so you have to you really have to know what you're doing because when you're tapping into people's past trauma, then it's really important to um, for them to recognise before they even begin. Uh, the, you know the potentiality of what could happen in this journey and to to remind them that they're in control of the journey they're always in control if it's too much for them they can bring it back just you know bring the breathing back breathing in and out through the nose uh brings it back to the you know the parasympathetic the relax and digest um area but yeah i i really want to learn as much as i possibly can before you probably won't see. I don't know if you'll see anything on YouTube. Um, I'll certainly be doing it in courses and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I need to learn a lot more before I um, continue this. Sure, sure. As as do I and and all of us. And it's mm. to me, it's extraordinary because what could be more simplistic than breathing? That's as, right. as the normal person. But of course. It is such an intricate process, and you talk about a reawakening or a or a remembering. So many of us immediately forget how to breathe, how to breathe properly, and it's such a fundamental um, neglect of ours, to, of which we're all guilty, uh, unless sure. you're really a, a constant practitioner of breathing and and a, a devout student of this. What is an exercise? You say breathing exercise. Well. You know, if we weren't breathing, we wouldn't be living. But no, you, there's, there are proper ways to breathe. This is there are proper ways to live, I suppose. Um, mm. 
and to me it's it's also um endlessly interesting to to think that you can almost inadvertently slip into these as you as you put it um frightful psychological states mm-hmm. just by breathing uh, I was introduced a few years ago to the to the work of Wim Hof. Oh yes, you're probably familiar. Yes, yes. Now, he acquired a quite a large and um, enthusiastic audience, but probably owing to his extreme exploits of trekking through the, the wintry uh, mountains of the Himalayas and um, being featured on Joe Rogan's podcast and sort of becoming this. <laughs> Uh, eccentric celebrity uh, in his own right, this eccentric Nordic celebrity. Um, and I think a lot of people were turned on to his to his teachings, to his sort of philosophy, mm-hmm. to, his, to his strangeness, uh, someone to whom they've, they've never been exposed. Mm-hmm. And I think he practices that type of breathing. I could be wrong, but it's it's something similar. But I don't think he then goes into the the, the more meditative process where you're where you're l- reaching back, for distant traumas and maybe addressing them in this heightened state of 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 inspiration. I mean, inspiration in the in the Latin way, uh, inspired by air. Um, mm-hmm. So I think so. I think those of us who have some exposure to Wim Hof, for instance, might be the perfect candidates to then try what you're what you're explaining. So I think you have a ripe audience to to attempt this um, yeah. if they're willing. For sure, I, I must admit I haven't. I've, I, ironically, I have Wim Hof's book on my dining table that I haven't even opened yet. Uh, so I'm, I'm yet to read about his story. So I haven't even, I haven't even completed one of his journeys. But I will tell you something: the journey that I have completed, it's only been like about a one and a half hour journey. But at the end of it, we go into a meditation, and it is the deepest form of meditation i have ever been in uh, without without trying at all so with meditation you know normal meditation we sit there and our job is to to be and and just accept but after this breathing work uh, it's like you naturally just fall you're already there in that state you've reached the deepest state instantly and that's the beauty of it. It's, it, yeah, words just cannot describe the the feeling, um, the feeling, the ecstaticness, the joy, uh, the completeness that I've experienced just in, you know, a couple of times of doing these longer journeys. It's just been a, a, a beyond words, beyond so, words. Owing to the the intensity of the experiences. Uh, of of this breathing meditation followed by these uh, proper meditations or more more traditional meditations, do you think that you'll disregard what you were doing previously and really just devote yourself to this, or is it perhaps too time consuming to do this on a daily basis? Well, I can tell you now that uh, my my morning routine consists of fifteen minutes of breath work and even that 15 minutes of breath work gives me a couple of minutes of stillness at the end of that, maybe say five minutes of stillness. And so in some instances, it's kind of replaced my, 
um, official meditation experience, if you like. I've, I start with the breath work and then move into that meditation experience. So it's, it's kind of combined into one now. And you, you brought up the topic on which I wanted to focus for just a little while, and that's, that's your daily regimen, uh, the ways in which you begin and conclude your days. Uh, you know, again, the average person will look at you as this, this sort of meditative guru, this <laughs> philosophic sage, uh, you know, this, this very accomplished practitioner of, of these meditative um, techniques. So let us peek through the curtains or join you on the beach in the, in the morning or by the lake or wherever it is you uh, you set up and and begin your day how do you do so do you go through a certain breathing technique you answered in the affirmative you do do you do you stretch in a certain way do you go do a certain exercise routine do you eat a certain way do you fast tell us a little bit about your day specifically how it begins and maybe how it ends being the sleep master <laughs> how do you how do you yourself uh, begin to prepare uh, for a for a full night's rest mm -hmm. well daniel it's probably going to disappoint you and maybe a lot of other people uh you know i used to i've gone through stages of having strict routines you know everything from from meditation to uh, you know waking up at 5am to journaling to this to that and and then Oftentimes when I wouldn't stick to that, I'd start to get angry at myself and just say, you know, why do you, you know, I would beat myself up over it. I've really reached this point now that, that I have a loose routine, if you like. It's very loose, but it does consist of a few things. I am responsible now for a, for a dog and for a couple of birds and I, I let them out in the morning. That's really important for me to tend to the animals first. That's what I do because I know the birds want to go outside. Uh, you know, that's the best part of the day in the morning. I get them out. I feed them. I cut up fruit for them and all that sort of thing. And then take my dog for a walk. And that's, that's when I say take my dog for a walk, that's me as well because I'm currently actually at the moment I'm training to go on a, a Simpson Desert trek with my mum who's 78 and we're doing that at the beginning of May. So, well, the walking, both of you. yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I get a bit nervous about it, but anyway, we'll, we'll see how we go. She's probably um, saying the same thing about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. She probably is. She probably is. No, I imagine uh, you're, I imagine you're both in very, very good shape, very fit. And I'm sure you'll well, have no difficulty. Well, it's not so, no, not so much. I've got a lot of uh, work to do and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm really getting into that now. Um, fitness probably has been my week, my downfall. Um, but I've got no excuse now. I need to train because otherwise I'm not going to make it. And, and I will add that when we're out in the middle of the Simpson Desert, there's no cars, no, no nothing, no Wi-Fi, no shops, phones, nothing except camels, camels that are carrying our stuff. So I must be, I have to be in good condition. At and how many, sort of good how many miles does this? Uh, it's, 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 not, it's not much. We're only looking at about 12 kilometres a day. I'm yeah. yeah, but this is, you know, the, the interesting part is it's over a lot of sand dunes and stuff and, and uh, you know, 
yeah, it's it's long enough for me, put it that way, and long enough for my mum too. Uh, my mum's actually walked the desert about three times before the entire length of the desert. She's oh, gone six-week six treks. And she actually said to me, you know, she said this is her last trek, and she said she invited me. She said, would you like to come? And I said, I didn't have to think about it. I just said, absolutely, yeah, so I'm coming. As long as you don't slow her down. Yeah, exactly. She's, exactly. She's experienced. <laughs> exactly, Daniel. Exactly. But yeah, getting back to the routine. So that, so once I come back from a walk, that's when I'm doing my breath work on the yoga mat. And uh, my dog actually has learnt now to not lick me and carry on. And so he actually now sits down until I do my work. And then he, you know, then I call him up and he, so that's kind of my morning routine. Uh, this, in in regards, oh, and I will say, I actually love getting a coffee in the morning from the local store down the road. Um, and it's more the, it's not so much the addiction of coffee. It's more the community spirit of just going down there and saying hi to all the people. I, I love that. I love that that part. So I love my morning cappuccino. <laughs> and, so let me, let me uh, just uh, interrupt very, very briefly. So mm -hmm. you have no qualms about caffeine. I can uh, picture some purists, some meditative purists thinking that, you know, the breath work is enough of a stimulative effect to absolutely. not necessitate any sort of um, adventitious <laughs> substance such as caffeine. So you're sort of not on that side of the of the conversation you know yeah i i have heard it before i've had people tear me down for you know if i'm drinking a cup of tea while i'm on a doing the youtube thing what are you doing that for do you know that's got caffeine in it and you know i love all these different teas and um you know that none of that bothers me I, it's just something i do and i'm not i'm not afraid to admit that or i'm not concerned about it i do agree though that we we certainly don't need it and i don't have it all the time but it's just that little ritual of getting down that store that store and and talking to the people and uh, yeah so i'm not a vegetarian either and that's something you know uh, I question that even myself. Uh, you're you're about I'm... to be excommunicated from this entire community. <laughs> <laughs> Caffeine, that's a menial sin, but the <laughs> but to consume animal protein is unforgivable. You better find a new channel to start. What other interests <laughs> do you have? <laughs> let me tell you, like I, I know that, you know, I've I've copped it all and and yeah. uh, and I'm okay with that. And yeah, I, and it's I, you know, I have I mean, the focus is not on me; it's on you. But I'll just add, yeah, yeah. I have spent, um, or I did spend about four years as a vegetarian, um, and now I am in a more um, disproportionately animal protein heavy uh, way of living. And you know, you know, it's it's an interesting and always hotly contested conversation, and the science is always. Um, pliable you can always you can always bend nutritional science to your to your side or to the other mm -hmm. side um mm. but uh, ultimately it, it has to be uh con congenial to your peculiar being to your constitution how you're built 
and also mm-hmm. to your flourishing. So that's sort of the way, the very simplistic way I look at it now, of course, that will be ethical and philosophical debates, I'm sure, in the comment yeah. section of some of your videos, if ever this yeah. will leak out. <laughs> um, but I, but I, I hope that uh, we can all get past that, at least for, for mm-hmm. now. So, so mm-hmm. you're, you don't eat a, a strictly vegetarian, I'm sorry, a, a, like a strict diet in any way, I, I, I presume, based on sort of your looseness in, in other categories and other things. Uh, do you do any fasting? Do you do that as a way to heighten or augment the, the meditative experience or the, or the mindful um, adventures on which, you're, on which you're going every day? Mm. I've, I've got to admit, I've gone through stages and I've still got my juicer because I've gone through really massive stages of juicing and, and you know, organic uh, vegetables and greens. And um, currently I'm not doing that at the moment, but I have no doubt that that will be coming out again um, because when, you're, when I was going through that, uh, I can remember very, very well the energy pumping through my body uh so you know maybe that's something i can just upon reflection you know me talking about this to you now that's something that i can take up Hmm. now again because i i I, in fact i did i started a youtube channel on this on on myself juicing that that was before the meditation channel ironically that's right are those videos still extant can we still access them uh I bl- no, I think I took them all down. The, the old channel's still there, and there's still a few of me, I think, singing and stuff, but I think I took them all down, all of the juicing ones. I couldn't. I, I've got to admit, I couldn't, I couldn't stand them, to just be honest. For a, just for a little, a little digression, tell us, as someone who has you know, ascended up the YouTube scales to YouTube, uh, almost to YouTube, um, to the pantheon of YouTube, let's say. You're, you're among the, the gods there, the deities. That when you look back at some of your earlier uh, attempts at videos, <laughs> let's say, um, how do you feel? Are you enough? Are you um, forgiving of yourself and of those sort of incipient attempts? Or, or, or do you cringe at the, at the videos, <laughs> remnants of your, your uh, earlier endeavors? How do you feel about them? I can laugh about them. Uh, uh, <laughs> I laugh about them. I mean, I, I I might cringe as well, but it's okay. Uh, I can I can remember sometimes where <laughs> I started this this part of this channel too, where I was like some sort of a spiritual teacher at the time, and it was almost like it was like a put on, and I was trying to be someone I wasn't, and I remember showing it to my one of my life coaches at the time, and she said. Um, she said, Jason, she said, she said, just be you. I was trying to be something else that I wasn't. And, uh, you are not alone in having conducted and uh, having comported yourself in that way. I, I've only been uh, on YouTube and with a very, very small, marginal, almost unnoticeable presence for, for a brief while. Um, uh, <laughs> But my earliest videos were conducted in precisely that way. It was this really forced, unnatural affectation, this presentation. And maybe yes. it's because you have a history as a performer, as an actor, and a singer. You felt as though 
once the camera turned on, and whether it be on your 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 computer or your little handheld cell phone or a little video camera, you felt as though you needed to exude a certain personality that didn't really yes. align with your own. Uh, and certainly, I experienced that. <laughs> so, and I have no history in in the theater. I just, <laughs> you know, you sometimes it's like a a strange un unconsidered like reflex the camera turns on you and you feel like you need to uh present someone yes. you are yeah but i think what touches people um so powerfully with you and your presentation is the authenticity and i'm sure you're told that time and again uh prior to this interview i went back and i watched some of your earlier videos and that that's all it is i see a purity of spirit a, a levity of of soul and 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 just a real kind heartedness uh, that that has no uh, no shade of um, malice or ulterior motive or or um, like mm. condescension it seems very authentic I, I should say though that your your life coach was was probably probably gave you excellent words of advice and it must have been difficult at the beginning to try to present yourself as a as a life well in your own work in your own ways as a life coach because you're trying to lead people on these spiritual journeys hopefully with the goal of 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 their enlightenment or their betterment but then you know how the internet is. People will look at you and say, "Well, who are who are you? Just some, you know, happy-go-lucky Australian man telling me, you know, how I can get through my problems." We'll get to your to the your nighttime routine, but maybe could you comment on that just briefly? This idea of being perhaps unsuited to to tell people how they can better their lives. Mm. Mm. I think with every single video I do now and every interview I do or whatever it may be, uh, I even say a little prayer beforehand to God and just say, just, just allow me to be me and help me to be, just please help me and guide me to be me and for me to say what I need, what needs to be said. It's really important for me now to be as authentic as I possibly can and transparent as I possibly can day after day after day because I, I after all, and I just, if, if I'm not, then what's the point of it all? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm lost as to what the point of it is. And I feel that in me being as honest and transparent as I possibly can and authentic as I possibly can, then I am giving people the permission uh, to do exactly that, to be themselves as 100% truthful as they can be. And that's, that's the greatest gift that we can, I think that's the greatest gift we can give God. That's how we were created, was to be ourselves, our unique selves. So... I'm, you know, I'm working on that. I'm, I'm every day. I'll just do my best to be more and more clear and authentic as I possibly can. Yeah, and I think that definitely shines through with all of your, with all of your videos and all of your content. Uh, so there were a few references to to God in that past that last passage. Now, tell me, uh, in what sort of a religious 
creed were you raised or if you don't mind sharing that mm -hmm. with us and and maybe what are your thoughts of the divine now again we're digressing a little bit i still want to hear about That's your okay yeah. but, but i think this is too important a, a subject to bypass and i know it's a sensitive one and one over which everyone has about which everyone has his or her opinion um, but i'm especially interested when i meet people who who have this level of transcendence and are interested in in these experiences and can experiment with things like ayahuasca and these breathing techniques. I'm always interested to know sort of what their relationship is with the divine, whether it be a, a pantheistic approach or a, or a theistic one or a more traditionally Christian or Judaic or Muslim approach. So if you don't mind sharing, please tell us. Sure. I... I was brought up uh, most likely as an atheist, and then my father is, and and um, my mother's mother went, my nan went to church, uh, but my mum and dad certainly didn't encourage it. But I always had something uh, that I needed to. In fact, I'm the one that took myself to Sunday school, and my brothers didn't. I wanted to go. And they just sort of said, oh, well, if you want to go, go, you know. And so I would often go to Sunday school, uh, Christian Sunday school. So <clears throat> and then fast forward 20, 30 years, I started to get into Buddhism. And I was at that time, I was also attending a Christian church, which I was really enjoying because I was also loving the singing aspect of the, the church. And but I was going to the the buddhist temple as well and starting to deep dive into that and then i reached a point of confusion and i just thought oh my goodness like it you know wasn't sort of a christian thing really to go to the buddhist temple and so i remember just discussing this with one of the reverends at the temple and i said you know i'm really confused i don't know what i should be doing you know i'm going to the 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 church and i'm attending here and i remember what she said to me it's such a beautiful thing she said jason she said you go away and you take with you what you learn from here and you share that with others and when you go to the christian church she said you learn what you can there and then you share that with others here you just you always just bring get what you can and take it out to the world. And it's almost like she gave me this permission just to, it was so liberating for me because I started to get really concerned. <laughs> I was getting concerned, a bit confused. And, and so she just gave me this total permission just to, to experience and to be and to do what I wanted to do on that platform. I've read, I think an awakening for me was reading the books uh, by Neil Donald Walsh, The Conversations with God. I loved those books. They were awakening for me. And I, I, I don't say I'm a Christian. I don't see, even say I'm a Buddhist. Um, I, I would say I'm a spiritualist in some aspect. Um, I know that we're all, I sense that we all have, uh, we're all co-creators with with a with a god or with something greater than ourselves there's something greater than ourselves even if we don't use the word god I, it's and it's a 
It's the acknowledgement of that. It's the acknowledgement that there's something much more powerful than us and uh, that, that helps to, to guide us when we, when we listen, when we tune in more, we can be so much more guided. It truly is unfortunate that uh, on your long trek across the desert, you will be unable to bring along a recording device of some sort to transmit to the rest of the world because I think a conversation between you and your mother on this topic would be uh, would be very interesting. You know, you're, you're so unusual in, a, in the best way in that you were raised in a atheistic, seemingly kind of staunchly atheistic household out of which you emerged uniquely spiritual <laughs> and 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 deeply spiritual now i don't know how uh, how your brothers are inclined whether they be mm -hmm. inclined toward uh, religion or away from it it seems as though they're they're not quite as spiritual as you are but i i'm absolutely fascinated by that approach that sort of syncretism between buddhism christianity and this this sort of third this third thing that you've found and this ability to to combine them all into your own unique worldview, I think is another testament to this, to this uniqueness that is, that is you in this, again, uh, this wisdom that you're able to impart to other people. Uh, I think in some ways that's what, that's what you've, you've done. You've, you've absorbed a lot of what can be taught by these wisdom traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm sort of amalgamated them in your own soul and now you are uh, distributing them in in a very different way so uh, very interestingly you're serving this this higher purpose uh and that's that's really something worth worth considering for a while um but thank you thank you yeah yeah, yeah. A, a fascinating i mean everything about your story so far is, has been has been absolutely fascinating it's it's an extraordinary history that you've told so let's go transition back from the the abstractions and the in the philosophies for a moment back to your your nightly routine i i, I know i've uh, reiterated this a few times but i feel like this is what we're all dying to know because you are again <laughs> the voice to whom 700 million people <laughs> <laughs> have at one time listened in their collective attempt to find more restful nights and and more peaceful um, uh, sleeps so so tell us a little bit about how you prepare and go to sleep what do you do mm -hmm. it's pretty simple really <laughs> uh, for for the most part prior to discovering breath work i was doing i would i would always go to sleep uh with with a meditation prior to that i would sometimes listen to audiobooks i love like all the spiritual self-help audiobooks and i would often find that if i just let them play until i fell asleep you know possibly i was taking in some of that information so that that is a that is something i still do to this day so i listen to these audiobooks on whether it be on breath work meditation um personal development listen to a lot of uh you know wayne dyer jack canfield um john kabat zinn all these teachers um i want you to be, i want you to be honest for a moment do mm -hmm. you listen to your own recordings of yourself to put yourself to sleep? <laughs> you know 
I have I have tried that. I've tried it once or twice when I, I remember couldn't sleep and I got really desperate and I thought, well, I'll just give this a go. I'll give it a go. I think one time it worked and I was really excited about it. And at the time I told my staff and I said, I went to sleep. I said, it works, it works. And I was just, <laughs> but for the most part, no, no, no. Yeah, you know, that would be a little a little self indulgent. At that point, you may as well hang self-indulgent a, hang a, and hang a uh, portrait of yourself behind your head. Yeah, there. and I'm too super. I get super critical anyway. I'm, I'm all I'm listening for is I just say, "Oh my goodness! Oh, that was how I said that word, and how? Oh, why did I do that?" <laughs> so yeah, that's not for sleep. Mm. Uh, what I like to do is I love going to bed early and just switching off the lights and being in blackness. And that is when I lay, lay down and just be at, at peace there. And whether that be previously a lot, it was more just pure, pure meditation. Mm -hmm. now, do, you, do you make a habit of going out to the beach or, or whatever? I don't know if you're living on the beach or near the beach, but, but going out and watching the sunset, do you intentionally do that as a way to sort of, uh, set the circadian uh, rhythm, the internal, the clock, and, and prepare yourself for bed? Or is, is that not really a part of your day? Yeah. Uh, well, now I live out right out in the country, so I'm away from the ocean. However, I am in this beautiful spot. In fact, as I speak to you right now, I'm, I'm looking over the hills and um, I, I often take my dog out again for a walk and we walk down this this dirt road with hills and I find that when I get out there it's always like going home it's always like being home when I'm in those spaces so do I do that every day that exact location no I don't I sometimes just take him for a walk down the the main road um, but a lot of times we I love to go over there over that the hill with this and there i see the sunset i see the orange skies um and even even out the front of my house i can often just sit out there and the sunsets here uh, it's not over the ocean or anything but it's they are so beautiful and the sky is so orange and red blood red it's just it's truly beautiful oh it sounds absolutely idyllic when you are there and immersed in these picturesque settings do you bring with you a journal you said earlier that you don't journal in the morning but do you bring with you a journal at this time of the day or maybe you're, you jot some notes on your cell phone do you uh, do you capture some of these feelings that are that are brimming inside you and and make of them content or or meditations or anything like that I, you know, I really wish I could tell you that I do, um, but I don't. And I, for me, it's more the morning times where I write, uh, and that's spasmodically as well. Um, and I, I certainly write with pen and paper. I cannot write uh, on the computer anything that's creative. I, I it just, to me, it has this disconnect. Once I have the pen and paper and I go out my yard and begin to write, it's, it's free flow. Um, tell, me I, little, tell me a little bit more about that process, your writing mm, process. Uh, that's mm, something in which I'm, I'm very, very interested. So you mm, write strictly with pen and paper, and uh, it, sounds to, it sounds to me that, that you do so outside. Now, is there a specific type of pen, a specific type of paper? As a writer, I'm sure these are things uh, on which you're 
You're very mm -hmm. insistent and, and very specific. Well, there's no particular pen and paper as such, uh, <laughs> but it's just the, the binding pads that I have. I've got journals like stacked, like seriously, uh, since like, when did I first start? I think I started in 1990, At the age of 19, <laughs> 1989, I started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, but then it, it dropped off and then it's come back and, but, but needless to say, it's huge. And I'm still yet to go through, I want to go through some and revisit some of that. But what I find is with this, and, and I love whether it be the coffee or a cup of tea, that is a part of the, the ritual for me of just sitting there. It's the, it's it's almost like that tea becomes a part of the whole uh, meditation process, the whole writing process. It's this, once I have the tea there, I have the notepad here and I'm set. In mm. particular in the winter, that's when it really, I, when I really love it because it's just... Ah, so the, the you, feel as though, you feel as though your creativity hits a new level in the winter time. As opposed to yeah, well, when I, when, yeah, when I've got that cup of tea and I'm holding it there trying to get my hands warm, it becomes just a, a whole part of the, the process. It sounds um, as though uh, your success is more attributable to the tea than it is to, to <laughs> your own native uh, talent. <laughs> Daniel, people <laughs> think of product ideas for you. I've, I've thought of a few. I've thought of, I think this is certainly one, some sort of a like a, a sleepy time herbal tea yes right. maybe we should talk about this after after the after yeah, the yeah. conversation but i'm thinking uh, of marketing a tea sort of with your brand and also maybe a, a, a like a melatonin type sleep aid but i think the tea is the direction in which we should go because this seems to be the elixir uh, for, on which let, all, all yeah. of the creativity depends. <laughs> let me tell you, if you probably go through some of my live chats on some of my previous channels and you'll see that I always had the cup of tea and people had even asked me in the chat, what tea are you drinking today? Hmm. I tell you, if I had my own tea, then I probably would have made a million dollars. <laughs> I, should I feel a little bit slighted that you're not uh, imbibing a little tea right now? Did you not need a... The support of the the magic elixir to, to converse with me today <laughs> well i'm going to tell you truthfully be just when i start i just finished lunch and i uh, didn't get a cup of tea and, and as i sat down and i'm so used to it possibly being here i looked i actually noticed this and i thought oops oh there's nothing here so that's okay we'll, we'll do it <laughs> I, I think you've been just <laughs> as sharp as ever even without the teas <laughs> Perhaps you're not as defendant as you once thought. Uh, so, so that's that's interesting. I, I mean, I love to learn about different writers and their processes. Like, how is it that you develop these ideas? Are you are you recording them into my phone? Which is sometimes what I do if I'm on the road or if I'm out. I'll actually. That's one. Of, this is one of the the ingenious features of these these iPhones that that we all have is, or the you know the the smartphones. Yeah. To be able to pull that out and record and then write it down later. I think it's it's great. But also returning to pen and paper, uh, I think that's invaluable and, and too often neglected. Uh, you, know, you see everybody typing in. And there is something, I suppose, natural with the extension of the fingers through the keyboard and to have that tactile feedback. But I think the pad and the, uh, and the pen are just irreplaceable, simply irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. So 
do you write for uh, many hours at a in, in one stretch? Do you devote a, a certain block to writing in the in the morning uh, hours, or mm -hmm. is it again like most other things, a little bit sporadic and unplanned and unpremeditated? A little bit sporadic and unplanned, but uh, I, I I do my best to do say fifteen to twenty minutes. That's that's my my piece in the mornings is fifteen to twenty minutes, and I feel that that's a, usually enough. If I want to go over, of course, I can go over. Uh, but usually when time, when I'm blocking out my morning, that's sort of the the part that I give myself as the 15 to 20 minutes yeah. of um, free writing. Yeah. And then mm. your recording process. Do you go to a, a studio, like a professional studio, which you record, or, or are you sort of like me doing things in your, in your closet? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's all through. It's all done in this room, actually. And I'm, I'm blessed to have uh, now I have a team of people that work for me that, that uh, do, you know, they quieten my voice and they do beautiful things to my to my voice and to the videos and they bring out the best. So, yeah, I'm very grateful for that. Well, I can really. say I don't, I don't think your voice naturally needs much amendment nor adornment. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a beautiful and, and soothing voice, I think, as it as it is. So, uh, and at what at what sort of frequency do you try to uh, produce these videos or recordings? How often? How many a week do you do you perform? Well, it used to be that I was doing them on the fly, and I would literally do one or two every week. But now uh, we we do our best to get ahead of time now, and so sometimes I can do you know I might do three record three or four on one day and get into that beautiful meditation space. Also, I get rid of my dog for that day, so my dog's not. In fact, my dog's here today, and I'm quite surprised I, you haven't heard him. He hasn't barked yet, so I'm touch wood, everything's he's very quiet. But, uh, yeah, so we're, getting, we're doing block recordings now. I think we only release one meditation a week on YouTube. Um, there's a couple of music tracks a week on the other channel, and but... It gives me time too, then to focus on uh, producing other content, which we're just beginning to move into, you know, doing online courses and mini courses and things like this. So is this is the life of a content creator of a of a YouTuber, if that's a name uh, by which you go, is is that life more laborious, more grueling than you expected? Is it more time consuming than just simply, speaking into a microphone and, and hitting publish? Yeah. Uh, you know, when I first started, I felt I have a team of people now and, uh, you know, they all do bits and pieces. And, um, and because when I first started, there was nothing that was routine. Like there was nothing I just went, off, I was flying on the seat of my pants, do things when I wanted. If I wanted three weeks off, I took three weeks off. If I, if I, you know, if I wanted to do two videos, I would do two or three videos. But now we've, you know, we've reached this point where it's building upon a team and there's much more structure to it. So now, you know, it's, things need to be done each week, uh, whether that's, you know, some, some writing that needs to happen or some creation content ideas or, or the voice recordings themselves it, it has to be done because there's people in jobs now that that they rely on me 
doing my bit so they can get on with doing their bit. Upon saying that now, you know, I work three days a week uh, with this, with the company, with Relax Me Online Australia. And so it's given me a lot of freedom to do other things in my time on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, so I'm, you know, my, my mind's always ticking as to different ideas to work on. It's always going. Oh, I can tell. There's, <laughs> there's no no shortage of activity up there. <laughs> so, so uh, you mentioned the um, the sort of the transition between uh, the early age when this channel was in its infancy, and you were flying by the seat of your pads and, and putting out great material, um, and the stage at which you find yourself currently in a more sort of refined and scheduled and regularized place. Uh, I'd like to to focus in on that that transitional point. When did you realize that this channel, this business was was viable as such? Mm. That was about I think about five or probably 2017 2016 when i had to take on my first person to help me uh, because what was happening was there was more and more coming in with the inbox and and um messages that i i just thought oh my goodness like you know it's fine to answer them at the start and i was answering like literally every one of them for a few years but then it gets a point where you're just there for a long time answering and responding to, to all comments i can't keep doing this so that's when i reached the point of and and the money started to it the money was just rising incrementally you know it was just going up and up and i thought you know i can take on someone now to help and so I took on a guy that did, you know, a lot of artwork and video editing. Um, yeah, so he was my clerk. His name was. He was my first one. He's still with me to this day. Oh, that's that's wonderful to have yeah. retained so long. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, it probably contributed to your growth and to your popularity to have been able to reply to these people personally. Like you said, though, it it mm. reaches. The, a certain threshold beyond which you cannot <laughs> conceivably respond to everybody and and all their remarks that said i think early on it was probably a, a great contributing factor to your to your growth and and people acknowledged in you someone who who actually cared enough to to respond to their comments and i 100 percent yeah again, again, i get <laughs> i my numbers are infinitesimal compared with yours. But anytime a comment is left um, or an email is sent, uh, it's easy for me because it might be one a week or, or, or if I'm that lucky. Um, but it, it shows a real concern with your, with your audience. Uh, and by a concern, I mean a, a caring, uh, you know, a sympathy with those who are, and, and a gratitude to those who are, who are watching mm. and kind of spending their time with you. Um, maybe on that note, could you give us a little bit of advice for those of us like myself, sort of new to this platform and, and just trying either to grow an audience or just articulate thoughts and get them out there. Mm -hmm. um, what would you recommend someone do in these earliest stages of, of content creation? Mm -hmm. 
Well, first of all, I must say, my friend, Daniel, uh, you know, you reaching out to me and you reached out with so you reached out with so much authenticity and, and gratitude and appreciation that I just had to uh, respond to you. So, you know, that that goes without saying you're doing the right thing right now. Well, thank you so um, very much. Yeah, you're, you're most welcome. Uh, what I would there's a few things I would suggest if for people that are really starting out beginning right from the very beginning of a YouTube channel or, or whatever social media platform it is. And that is um, to do it without expectations of making money. Because at the very beginning, I, I didn't even, I actually didn't even know I could make money. To be honest, I didn't know that. Uh, it wasn't until someone said, oh, I can, you know, we can offer you so much money because you're, getting so many views and I'm like, what are they talking about money for getting views? How, how can that work? <laughs> so I didn't even, didn't even understand it. Um, I think that I can honestly say this because I've started another little channel outside of the um, company on focus music, which I set the wrong intention. I set the intention that I'm going to start again to make money to, it was to give a per another person a job, but it was still to make money. And thus far, it hasn't worked. And so it's been a beautiful learning curve for me again that to, to get your intention straight about what is it you want to do? How do you want to be of service? How can you give? Then when we find that place, I truly know in my heart when we're in that place of service, the money will follow. And... So when you start the little YouTube channel, no one's going to see it at the, in the initial stages. And that's great because that's your playtime. That's your free time to discover what it is you really want to do. And this, the channel that I'm talking about, you know, that I go back to that I'm, that's still going on, I might add, uh, I've gone through about, I've gone through three different things of what I wanted that channel to be. And I'm still not sure I'm at the, where I want it to be. I've gone through talking about crystals and gemstones to focus music for concentration to uh, spiritual topics. None just of them. Just don't move into streaming video games. <laughs> <laughs> there are too many, too many channels like that. That's saturated. No, I, I, I kid. But um, I, I'm ex I experienced this precisely the same thing and and because this channel my channel is in its infancy in its early infancy uh, i can have an episode where I, I have a deep meaningful delightful conversation with you and then yesterday uh, last evening i had a conversation with my father about american politics uh, you know and then uh, a few days hence i'm going to have a conversation with a, a civil war historian who lives in south carolina and and i think you're absolutely right and it's difficult because you know you want a certain viewership or or some notice in the public sure. sphere you want to be part of the conversation uh, i don't necessarily expect to make any large sum of money but it's 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 this it's this ability to interact and converse with extraordinary people and never in the course of human history has this opportunity been available to so many people and i am again endlessly grateful to to you and to all my past guests of whom there have been maybe uh, maybe half dozen 
um, for agreeing to to talk with me for a little while because uh, that's basically what I what I've done is just you know send messages to to who I think are really deep thinkers and and hope that I get a response. And more often than not, I get a response. Usually, it's a negative <laughs> negative oh. in that they, they decline, but that's that's totally understandable. But that makes it all the more meaningful to to hear back from from someone like you, and then to be able to to talk with someone like like you is just it's it's so powerful and I, I think you appreciate that having touched and benefited so many people but I, I i can't emphasize that enough so aside from the fact of not expecting um an income uh, on which to live yeah. um i think that advice you give is great and i think your personal example is is especially um important and that is mm -hmm after having uh, amounted a huge audience uh, and and accrued millions hundreds of millions of, of views you tried to create something altogether new but perhaps not with the the, the right intentions and even oh, someone like you who seems always to have the best intentions and i'm sure i'm mm. sure by heart you did but mm. what a lesson to have learned to have gone <laughs> and tried that and and not quite succeeded immediately. I do, uh, based on the idea, I, I've not visited this page and I plan to, but, but based on the idea, I, I can't see it being anything but successful. So I'm sure that, that with a little bit of massaging that, uh, and, and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and more work that it will be, that it will be something quite extraordinary in time to come. Uh, can you give us any more ideas on other projects on which you're working or, or new, you, you mentioned a few courses, uh, yeah. What is what? Should, what should we expect from you in the in the near well, future? We're we're releasing um, a little course that's it's almost like a twenty one day challenge. It starts on the first of Mar March this year, and it's about twenty one days of joy of the, called Daily Sparks, and it's about giving people in that twenty one day period like actionable steps to create just to, to focus on a little bit more happiness and joy in their lives. And I finished my side of the deal. You know, I've created all the videos and so all the content's up and, you know, the, it's it's open now. It'll be open to the public and ready to start. And, and this is the beginning. You know, I know this year we're working on a few courses and this is just the first one. And I feel so, again, I, I have so much gratitude for my team because, I have only had to create, I work with the content, but also I'm creating the videos, doing the presentations, but I have the all the team now doing the editing and the marketing and the um, everything, everything. And so it's kind of strange to create this course and, and then have it up there on a website and I've had to, and it's, it's exciting. It's really, I'm really, I'm really excited by it. Yeah, and I'm sure very liberating for you. You you're now, as you said, part of a team. So your contribution is probably, I don't want to say the weightiest, right? Everybody is is serving his or her role, yeah. but um, it's one important component of many. And then you're able to do it and step away instead of spending your your uh, nighttime <laughs> hours instead of <laughs> getting cozy right. in that in that very dark room of yours <laughs> with, some, <laughs> with some chamomile tea and your dog by your side uh, 
you know, editing your videos by at at candle as the candle burns low, and you know, trying to perfect your 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 song entrances and and outros and things like that. So, so it must really be be liberating. It it really must be nice. Um, you've been so generous with your time thus far. I want to pose to you one more question. I hesitate to do it because it's a it's a little bit of a of a more solemn point, but um, I was thinking about this earlier today. I sort of had an idea of how I wanted our conversation to go, and it, it far exceeded even my best expectations. Uh, but I, I wanted to 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 ask you about the current state of mental health, or perhaps I should say, mental unhealth. Um, now I know, of course, you you aren't a a physician, you're not a psychiatrist, mm. and you make that very clear on your website and on your YouTube channel. And um, I, I don't think people are, are seeking your wisdom for, for those reasons. Mm. Uh, but in America, at least, the, the statistics are very discouraging as it pertains to mental health, especially among our younger generations, say the millennials and, and the Gen the Gen Zers or the Zoomers, right, by whom we'll be succeeded, those born in the you know, 19, late 1990s or so and, and thereafter, or, or earlier. Um, so we live in an age in which technology is perfectly abundant, right? We, we, we never knew a time when we had access to videos such as yours that deal with mindfulness and and. and healthful living and sleep and all these wonderful things, uh, you know, on which a good, wholesome life is dependent, um, and so many other sources as well. But it seems like with the increase of all these avenues that we could take and, and learn a lot from and improve our mental health, uh, the mental health seems to be <laughs> precipitously mm -hmm. declining. So... Mm -hmm. I don't have an exact question to pose to you on this matter, but I'm sure it's something about which you've pondered and, and probably by which you're quite disquieted. So I'm speaking about America. Perhaps it's a little different. I hope it's a little different in Australia, but it, it might not be. It might just be a, a sort of a universal mm. affliction in the West. So maybe you can, we can end or come toward the end of this conversation with a few comments on this, on this issue. The kind of material that you're putting out should at least serve as a bit of a remedy to what we're seeing, but yet what we're seeing is, is really increasing in, in, in its severity. Mm. I will tell you it's, it is the same here in Australia. <clears throat> and I know that the mental health rates are, you know, have been through the roof here. Uh, in particular after COVID, which was another huge, um, where things declined greatly. It, it concerns me deeply, it concerns me deeply about, you know, the, the avenues such as, you know, and, and I, I'm on TikTok, you know, we've started up a little platform there and Instagram and all these short grabs and YouTube shorts now, and that they're all just... Uh, you know, there's so many seconds long. I've found myself sometimes beginning to go like that. And I just, you know, I, I, can, I can't begin to imagine, you know, when a, 
if a child does that from an early age and what what that's doing with their mind like i you know when i was younger if there was such thing as adhd when i was younger i most likely fell into that basket i always got the reports jason is easily distracted that was just constant now we didn't have we didn't even have computers when i was at high school they got introduced just as i left so that's showing my age now you know um but this whole thing that we're literally born now with with these phones and our the kids are born with the they take them to school and everything i, I have deep deep concerns about this so i think this is this is really really important kids we've brought kids up on this now we 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 were brought up on it but the kids in particular are really brought up on it and i think it's really important now more than ever that we better this better start changing that we better start giving them uh some respect and listening time by putting our phones down and begin to listen to children and begin to take time away from social media no matter what it is no matter whether it's doesn't matter if it's meditation or whatever it is yes that's there's some beautiful aspects of social media i can't you know i've learned so much through it myself but there's a real insidious side going on that is shortening people's attention span and that's a definite that's that's been now scientifically proven you know they're, they're saying that seven second attention spans and some things like this and it, it it does it deeply concerns me and so so i can just reiterate it's now's the most important time i think we're reaching this turning point that we must change we must do something to to have a bit of self-love and self-respect and start to take self-care for ourselves and that part of that is is taking breaks away from the computer screen breaks away from all social media all of it and even if that starts with you know even if it starts with two hours a week just stop take and take time and then get to get to re-get to know your family i saw this awful sight when i was back in new south wales of of uh, two parents and and this is probably a common sight it was at a restaurant two parents and a child and they were all had ipads yeah. and i remember the young child uh, he was playing something on on his and he asked his mum a question and and she hushed him up and said Shh, just get on with playing your game and they all went back to their ipads and i was just like oh my goodness I, we're in trouble it's a this devastating change what, what you just vividly depicted is a devastating scene but unfortunately an all too common one there must be a little bit of tension um i say there must be perhaps there isn't but but in in your world where although you do seem to be balancing it perfectly uh, <laughs> where you know so much of your business is predicated on on the internet on on promoting a channel and um and being present on social media and continuously producing and and putting out content you know once or twice a week and and drawing eyeballs to that and clicks um yet 
at the same time, you know, that's something against which we need to resist in some ways, right? But it's all about that that healthy balance. And I think we're in a society that's completely imbalanced. And like you said, I'm not sure exactly how to restore that equilibrium from which we've strayed. Um, I hope that a, a channel like yours can in some ways return people to um, some stability, some some uh, mindful stability. Uh, of course, mm -hmm. perhaps can't go the full way, right? There, there, there must be other other things that they do, and I think we we covered a few. It's getting into nature, getting your bare feet on the ground. We didn't talk about grounding, uh, that, but that's you know something to which I devote a few minutes or a few hours of my day every single day. Oh wow. Mm -hmm. Always in mm. now. I have the advantage of living in a warm climate, so uh, it's easy for me on my lunch break to kick off my. This is what I do to kick off my shoes and go stand by the lake for an hour and mm. read um, and be in the sun. And I'm sure that isn't. I know that isn't uh, available to everyone. The, anyone listening in, in the state of Minnesota right now, or in uh, <laughs> England, or wherever it may be in the month of February when we're when we're recording this, is probably looking at me with a sneer as I say this. But, but, you know, that's something that we could be doing, um, being more mindful, trying to reconnect with nature, trying to reconnect with community. As you mentioned, going to your coffee shop, spending time, even if it's a brief while, with, with some of your local townsmen and women and mm -hmm. just, just being in their presence and exchanging pleasantries um, and salutations, uh, being in a religious uh, setting and i don't know if you're if you're attending a church or a, 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 a temple now but but just something that you mentioned being in a religious community i i think you're you're what you depicted as a as a day in the life of of jason the content creator you know the the master of youtube <laughs> um, <laughs> is a is actually a very well balanced life that maybe not all of us can adopt but parts of, of, of whose parts we can we can try to inhabit and, and try to live out in our own way. Having a dog, having friends, having a religious community, having a, a social community, having a connection with family, your parents going on long, long <laughs> exhaust <laughs> treks across the desert. <laughs> and I'm going to pull up a, a Google map later and actually take a take a gander at this. <laughs> um, but but I think that the advice um, that you've given and and the lessons that you've imparted to me and to this audience are absolutely invaluable. So I want to leave the last word to you. I am eternally grateful that you decided to to take a little bit of time out of your day um, and and chat with me. Uh, what have you to say to to conclude on anything? Uh, any departing thoughts? Well, first of all, I'd just like to say thank you so much, uh, Daniel, for inviting me. I'm so glad I've, I've got to meet you. You're a wonderful, beautiful young man, and uh, I know that you're going to do well, whatever you do. Um, you sound pretty grounded yourself, so it's a wonderful thing, mate. Just keep keep hold of that. And I, I guess I'd like to leave with a little quote that I've always loved. Um, there's a cup, yeah, okay. Uh, one that says, Come to the edge, he said. They said, We are afraid. 
come to the edge, he said. They came, he pushed them, and they flew. And yeah. I love that quote. And I'm and I'm, my mind now is going, who wrote that? Who said that? And but it's a, a oh my goodness. Can you find that out and put that in your podcast? <laughs> Indubitably. We will we will absolutely have it's, that. It's been up. so long since I've done an interview. Normally I'm really on the board with all this, but you, should be, you have to have that one sharp. You at least have to have attribution. <laughs> oh have my a, goodness. An, an, That's angry, an angry uh, deceased poet sending, yes, a, no. sending a posthumous uh, lawsuit. I feel, I, feel, I feel really bad about that now. No, um, no, do not worry. Do not worry. No, we'll, we'll do a quick Google search. <laughs> we'll, thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll reveal the identity of this uh, esteemed poet that has been so inspirational to you and now to me, because that is a, that is a fantastic um, word uh, of, of wisdom. It sounds quite, quite religious in nature. It sounds like really trusting, trusting in something greater than oneself. Um, Absolutely. Whatever that whatever that being may uh, may turn out to be. Um, mm -hmm. So I will, of course, link to all of your social media, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube channels. We'll, we'll be sure to, to uh, promote both uh, the one that really needs no promotion from me. Um, and of course, the Thank you, new, new undertakings as well. Um, are there any other avenues that we should seek to find you or or any other products uh, that we should be aware of any other any other things yeah i think if uh, also if people can go to uh, www.jasonstevenson.net uh we give a free guided meditation as an mp3 and and that also gets us gets them on the email list and we'll get to they can get to keep up with what's actually happening uh, on my side of the fence yeah excellent great so all of that will be will be written out in the description of this video that uh, that will that will put below the video itself uh so again it it can't be said enough jason i i'm so grateful for you uh, to you for, for for joining me for this extended period of time i think your content is like i said invaluable I think 700 million views would agree, <laughs> and 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 uh, your three million uh, subscribers all attest to uh, to your talent and to the great content that you're producing. Um, so again, thank you so much, and to everyone listening, uh, farewell from Finner and Zwick. <laughs>